the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Quick housekeeping note, this is part two of a two-part series. So if you have not had the opportunity to check out part one of our conversation with David Adams Cleveland, get thee to your podcast platform of choice and check it out. I was going to say a podcastery, um, podcastery but that's yes. not a thing, but it should be. Why not? Uh, enjoy! You know, I can't help but think about um, Frank Olson, you know, and the MK Ultra experiments, the CIA mind control project that ultimately resulted in his death, uh, whether by misadventure, uh, suicide, or, you know, some sort of murderous plot. Uh, but he also plunged his death from a, from a high window uh, from a hotel. And it just kind of makes me think, like, obviously, you know, the KGB are known to be incredibly ruthless. It's almost legendary. But, I mean, the CIA is pretty ruthless, too. I just wondered if, if there's any analogs that you see between the two countries and the two organizations. Well, the CIA um, had to do a lot of things that most of its uh, uh, operatives didn't enjoy doing. Reading other people's mail was the joke that was always used. Uh, <laughs> but, in fact... After the Second World War, we were up against a very aggressive Soviet Union and a very aggressive uh, KGB, uh, Putin being just the latest and hopefully last example of uh, the KGB-trained cadres. Uh, and so the CIA was forced to do a lot of things that, in retrospect, it might have chosen not to do. On the other hand, there were rules and regulations that the CIA officers had to maintain and uh, by and large, they stuck pretty much uh, to the protocols uh, of, their, of their service. 
whereas the uh, KGB operatives, uh, it was pretty much anything goes. And they were experts at uh, bumping off uh, enemies uh, front, right, and center. So I, I, I think it's night and day, the difference between them, even though the CIA had to adopt a lot of tough measures uh, in a tough uh, Cold War and, and the aftermath. No, that makes sense. And I mean, the MK Ultra situation, I think, was one of those uh, where they, you know, had uh, certain individuals that were hired to be part of this program that were sort of given carte blanche to do whatever they wanted and test, you know, aerosolized LSD on civilians and, and, and the like, and even their own. You know, I'd like to further pursue uh, something we set up at the very beginning of this conversation, David, which is the the burden and the art of historical fiction. Now, this book is exhaustively researched, um, which uh, to me is tremendously compelling. And it does something that a lot of these stories, a lot of these stories miss the mark on. Gods of Deception humanizes what could have otherwise been a reciting of um, of timelines and events. But here in this story, there is a, a fascinating framework. You know, um, if we weren't talking about Russia, I'd be more comfortable saying uh, Matroshka dolls <laughs> nested in the narrative. So when, and I, I don't want to spoil this too much. I think people should experience this on their own, but our story kind of starts with a judge in his later years, who is thinking back about his life, and he is Edward Dimock. He has defended Alger Hiss during that Cold War trial, and he's working on his memoirs, and he's still haunted. And him being haunted by this leads to um, him, you know, him... Uh, I don't want to say conscripting, uh, him asking his grandson, George Altman, to help him understand the story, the truth that occurs. And I'm wondering what inspired you to take that approach? Uh, that's one of the things that hooked me at the beginning. Well, it's just what you said, Ben. I thought it important um, as a novelist, as a fiction writer, to humanize the story. It's enough to uh, talk about Alger Hiss and his possible crimes, and the crimes certainly of Stalin and the KGB, which were, um, which were manifest. More interestingly, I think it was to look at the Alger Hiss case in terms of three generations of an American family, uh, with the patriarch of the family, uh, Judge Dimmick, who had, who had defended Alger Hiss uh, in the day and is writing his memoir, and he enlists his uh, grandson, George Altman, who's a Princeton astrophysicist, to help him finish the memoir and figure out what the truth is. And in fact, when the story opens, um, it's right after 9-11, the year after 9-11, the judge doesn't even know the new information that's come out uh, on Alger Hiss. He doesn't know about the uh, access to uh, Soviet intelligence files or the Venona decrypts of, of Soviet cable traffic, which 
by 2000 had made it clear that Alger Hiss was a spy and more importantly, an agent of influence. So all of a sudden, Edward Dimmick learns this, that in fact, his client was indubitably guilty uh, of, the, of the crimes that he was uh, convicted for and, and a lot more. And I wanted to have show how that played out in three generations of the family. So you have the George, you have the, the judge, sorry, and uh, his three daughters and his grandchildren uh, who are involved in going through uh, the elements of the Alger Hiss spy case. And we see how each generation had reacted to the story. And we find out uh, as the story evolves that um, the impact of the Alger Hiss uh, case did terrible damage in the family. It impacted the judge and his wife's marriage. Uh, it, it impacted their, their three children. Uh, one of them, um, the son who goes off to Korea. Uh, and so I wanted to humanize it. And also there is in the book, there are letters from Priscilla Hiss. There are people who have talked to Alger Hiss. So we do get a certain insight um, into Alger Hiss and his family life, uh, his, his son um, and his wife. So I think by humanizing it, you make it not just clearer in terms of what the truth is, but also how the truth plays itself out over three generations of, of an American family. Now, that's really interesting. And, and it makes me wonder, when you're writing a work like this that's based on, you know, real historical facts and also relatively recently uncovered details that kind of recontextualize some of those historical facts, how do you decide where the sort of new story that you're going to tell is, where it comes from, which parts need to remain just like steadfast truth and which parts can kind of meander a little bit to serve your narrative? Well, for the most part, I like to think that 98% of the facts in the book are accurate and uh, they have been, they've come out recently from the Venona decrypts and the access to uh, Soviet era files. So most of the history is accurate. Where I have as a novelist uh, taken charge of, of the narrative is when I've gone into the heads, say, of Priscilla Hiss, uh, Priscilla Hiss's mm -hmm. letters. Um, and she talks about in her letters how difficult it was, although we don't know if she's really being truthful about this, that the facet, one of the most fascinating things about the trial was that Whitaker Chambers, who testified against Hiss, testified about his years of being involved with the Hiss family. They went on vacation together. They went bird watching together. They spied together. They did all this stuff. He took their documents and photographed them, brought them back in the morning. They had meals together. They were friends. Whitaker Chambers actually was was very fond of Alger Hiss and Priscilla Hiss. And yet Priscilla Hiss writes at least the letters that I use in the book, how difficult it was to be faced by Whitaker Chambers' uh, uh, testimony in the trial. And later in the book, he wrote Witness, where he talks about their life together as friends of the family and this, that, and the next thing. And she says, Gosh, so much of it was just like 
the kind of people we were. I understood it. And yet he's lying. And that brings in the idea that I use in the book of parallel universes, which is mm -hmm. where our Princeton astrophysics um, guy, uh, George Altman, is brought in. Because there's two worlds out there. There's the world where Alger Hiss is guilty, and there's the world where Alger Hiss is innocent. And the two worlds collide, and they don't overlap. And how you figure out which is which, I think, makes the narrative pretty interesting. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running, totally. but it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. 
Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. And there's a there's another question on this note I'd I'd like to I'd like to explore with you. Speaking of parallel worlds, David, you stand astride a few parallel worlds of your own. You are an art historian, uh, a extensively published art historian. I'm thinking in particular of a history of American tonalism, uh, which I believe has been published in three different editions at this point. How do you and I can I I can experience um your I, I can experience your love of art and history in in reading Gods of Deception. Um and Time's Betrayal, by the way, is next on my list. But what drew you to historical fiction from the world of art history? Do you feel that those are um, somehow separate or distinct pursuits, or do they inform one another? And if so, in what ways? They do inform uh, each other, but at the same time, there's no way I could be working on an art history project and writing uh, a work of fiction at the same time. They're very different muscles, very different kind of brains. I think starting with the uh, art history, I like telling the stories about artists and bringing artists to life and bringing their works to life. I like that uh, narrative context. And what I did uh, in A History of American Tonalism, which is about American landscape painting uh, from uh, around 1880 to 1920, was bring that whole world back to life and the great artists of that period. That would be George Innes and and William McNeil Whistler, among others. Uh, and uh, this was largely forgotten. Talk about Time's Betrayal, uh, the, the title of a novel. These guys were forgotten about for about 70 years until I came along and kind of wrote the book on them and <laughs> sort of brought that world back. So I liked getting justice for great artists. I liked the feeling that there is justice in this life and that uh, these artists and their reputations can be revived for, for future generations. At the same time, I find in writing fiction that my love of landscape painting in particular uh, informs my writing in that I like to feel that any given moment, any, uh, any chapter, uh, any scene that's set in the book, that you can feel the, the quality of the light, the temperature, the uh, humidity, the season, um, that those ephemeral atmospheric uh, elements that are that one loves in great landscape paintings can inform the writing as well, giving the, the, the reader a feeling that they're there and that uh, the sense of time and place is very real. I think that's a really good way of putting it. You know, I wanted to ask you, I'm a huge, I think Ben and I and, and Max are, are all huge fans of art and art museums and, you know, graphic novels. And just there's so many ways that it can be used to tell amazing stories. I am a fan of being able to walk into a gallery, look at a piece of art and have it affect me viscerally. 
I think it's really interesting and, 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 and an important thing uh, to have some historical context or to know a, a little bit about the artist uh, who made it and maybe what inspired them. But I think ultimately it's not successful if it doesn't hit me in some way just by looking at it. Can you kind of talk about that, like the sort of like viscerality of art and the way it, it, it affects you just like cold versus having that context and how those two things can coexist? I think that's right. I think that going into a gallery, uh, and I've been involved in the art world one way or the other for many years. My son, uh, Carter Cleveland, is the founder of Artsy.net, which is the largest on-site uh, art site in the world now for buying and selling and studying and finding out about art. So uh, we've been involved with art uh, for a long time. And I'm a great believer that art... Uh, really uh, enhances our life. Living with art enhances our life. Uh, that having art on the walls is important, not just for the uh, good effect it has on your own life, but because you're supporting artists, living or dead or, or however it may be. And I agree with you that I think that one's reaction to art is fundamentally visceral. Uh, you either love it or you don't. And there's certain things that are going to grab you or not. I think that having uh, some background on the artist and some background on their time helps you in terms of your ability to see the, the world and the, uh, the, or if you will, the narrative background that produced that art. And that may eventually uh, help you evolve certain ways to like different kinds of art from what you may be used to or what you're, you're drawn to viscerally. But in the end, uh, it's really um, your eyeballs, bathing your eyeballs in the beauty of art that matters. <laughs> and yes. uh, in the end, that's the great joy and the great pleasure to be had. Bathing your eyeballs. I, I yeah, love, use that. Yeah, use that. <laughs> this is going to recur on our show, sir. This is, um, you know, the time is flying away from us, and I can only imagine how how strange it must be to have um, to have works like Gods of Deception out in the world, which was published just in April of this year. Correct? Uh, is that that's correct? correct. So when you have, you know, it must be similar to the experience of walking out of another universe into, you know, or like seeing uh, an amazing exhibition or seeing works of the old masters and then walking out into the world. And this inspires uh, one, of, one of our last questions as we wrap up. What do... What do we ideally want the readers and the audience to come away with uh, from the experience of gods of deception? What do we, what do we as readers take uh, forward into the greater world? Well, I think that gods of deception, uh, both as a historical uh, novel and as a work of fiction, should make us aware of the dangers, certainly, uh, that the Soviet Union once upon a time posed, uh, along with the uh, KGB. And I think, uh, speaking of going from one world to the next, uh, leaving the world of gods of deception, and then finding us right back in that same world with Putin's invasion mm -hmm. of Ukraine, 
because the title, Gods of Deception, speaks to the mentality of many of these Soviet agents who, and the KGB, who thought themselves in the forefront of history, that they were going to revolutionize the world and they were going to become the heads of state or they were going to overturn uh, countries by the power of their revolutionary ideas. So uh, for me, I have found that Gods of Deception came out right during the uh, Putin's invasion of the Ukraine and Putin being a great admirer of Stalin and being trained by the KGB, his entire leadership circle are all ex-KGB agents. They know the ropes. They use the same false flags, big lies, you name it, uh, ultimately backed up by brutal force that Stalin was so adept at. So Putin is still there, and the ways of the Soviet Union are still there. And uh, I think the only reason that I'm hopeful um, at this point in terms of uh, Putin and the Ukraine is that we seem to evolve to the point where uh, defensive warfare seems to be in the ascendancy with smart weapons. And I think the Ukrainians are managing to put up a terrific fight against the Russians and against Putin. And hopefully with the ascendancy of defensive weapons, it's going to make the Russian invasion increasingly uh, more devastating for Putin, and that in the end he will fail and hopefully his people will overthrow him. And I think the Chinese will think twice about the possibility of invading Taiwan at this point, again, seeing what's happened in the Ukraine. So the world of the gods of deception is still with us. There are still uh, lessons to be learned. But at the same time, uh, I think um, from a literary standpoint, the humanity of this one American family and the trials that they went through, um, through the Alger Hiss years and where they came out in the end is a hopeful uh, one for the, for the future. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonneville. Yeah. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like, uh, 
a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now. Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. I got to ask you really quickly a little bit of for a bit of a hot take. Do you think Putin bit off more than he can chew? Do you think he knew what he was doing? Was it just sort of a power play that was ill-informed? Or uh, it just seems like people are not behind him in his own government and things are just going horribly awry. Is, is he making a decision based on the past that no longer, like he's sort of out of his element now? Like what, what do you think is going on with Putin now? I think Putin was absolutely uh, devastated, surprised, uh, by what happened in the initial months of the invasion of Ukraine, uh, how his forces were were really uh, just taken apart piece by piece, I think he was amazed. I thought he, I think he probably thought, oh, this is just going to be another great KGB operation. We're going to run in there. We're going to overthrow Kiev, and uh, it'll be over in a in a, in a few days. I think he was uh, he was mightily surprised. Uh, on the other hand, being a KGB guy, being the head of a totalitarian uh, government, he's got no place to go, no place to hide. He cannot retire from the scene. He's got nothing that he can do except keep fighting uh, in the Ukraine for the time being until something gives way, either his army, his military, or his intelligence service, or the people of Russia turn on him and throw him out. Yeah, it's uh, the situation is untenable. And I agree with you that there is a there is not a viable retreat option at this point, perhaps emboldened by um, by the invasion of Crimea in 2014. This calculus that informed uh, Putin based on the events of 2014 
provided in his mind a, a rational perspective for for an invasion and let's be honest speaking of hot takes um uh, a chance to realize the dream of creating a new Soviet hegemony. However, I'm looking for the right way to say this, David. The, the thing that many characters uh, in Gods of Deception and the thing that uh, Vladimir Putin himself is wrestling with now is the idea of perception in a bubble, Right, um, being a being a tyrant, being a strong man, uh, it's it's no secret that Putin is likely surrounded by sycophants, and as a result, has a very different experience of reality, right, than uh, most people outside of that bubble. Do you believe that? Um, I don't know, what would be your insight on this idea? It's tossed around so often. Do you feel that um, world leaders, um, from Putin to, you know, the recently uh, re recently deposed uh, Boris Johnson, prime minister over there in the UK, um, do you believe that people in power may live in bubbles of reality? And if so, why? How? Well, I think Putin is a special case uh, because he's been living in a in your bubble of reality uh, maybe most of his life. I mean, he grew up. Uh, he learned his uh, he learned all of his brutal tactics and ways as a KGB officer. And when Russia fell apart, part uh, he lost his job. He lost uh, prestige. He lost all kinds of things. And uh, he has a, a vaunted sense of, uh, of Russian history. I mean, after all, Russian aggression uh, goes back to Catherine the Great and, and uh, before that. So uh, it's not just the Soviet Union. Um, Russia has a history of, of, of expansion. But I think that Putin certainly in the last 20, 25 years has been up against uh, the West and what he's seen is weakness that the West has rolled over uh, to his aggression, whether it's in Georgia or Crimea. Uh, and he's been he's gotten away with it time and time again, because most people in the West just think, well, the Cold War is over. People don't act like that anymore. But the fact of the matter is aggression, evil intent, uh, megalomania, all of these terrible things can come back in different guises, and Putin certainly has them all. And uh, I think, uh, you know, he lives in a bubble, but he can get away with a lot of stuff, and the West has let him get away with it too long, so he took a gamble. And this time, the gamble is not paying off at least easily. Let's, let's hope that the, the Russian people uh, will put him in his place and, and get rid of him. Thank you so much uh, for... Um, spending some time with us and talking about your book, uh, which I look forward to reading in its entirety uh, and for all of this amazing perspective on everything from art to current politics and mm -hmm. everything in between. It's been a, a real, a real delight talking with you. Ben and Noel, thank you so much. It's been fun for me as well. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for classing up the show, David. Uh, these, this is, uh, this conversation, as Noel said, has uh, led us, through so many fascinating parts of history, parts of art, 
parts of geopolitics. And I believe it's a conversation that is worth pursuing. Fellow Ridiculous Historians, if you would like to learn more about the work of David Adams Cleveland, please check out the website, davidadamscleveland.com. It's um, it's where I started stalking you in the beginning, sir. And uh, I, um, it's where I have learned already uh, so much about, about history. Again, I'm excited for Time's Betrayal. I want to read it. I saw some of the reviews. Uh, I, uh, I said I wasn't going to fanboy too much. But uh Sir, uh, thank you sincerely for your time. We're looking forward to hearing more about the next works. In the meanwhile, where's one of the best places for people to learn more about your works, uh, current, past, and perhaps future? Well, as you mentioned, probably the best uh, starting place is my, uh, is my author site, davidadamscleveland.com. And from there, uh, you go right to the books. There's articles certainly on my uh, author side as well. I've probably done, I think, eight or nine articles around uh, Gods of Deception, which gives you some background into the history of the Alger Hiss case, but also how I researched it. So you can find uh, all that kind of good stuff there. And then I've uh, written a bunch of articles about writing fiction. So for aspiring writers and historians. There's some good thoughts there. So all are welcome. And uh, I'm delighted uh, to be on your show and uh, help out any way I can. Thank you again. And in the meantime, uh, listeners, if you have anything you want to uh, ask us about or topics you want to see us cover, you can hit Ben or I up as individual human people on the internet. I am on Instagram exclusively at Brown, Ben Bolin, where can the fine folks out in the internet world find you? Oh, Noel, thank you so much for asking. Uh, in a burst of creativity, you can find me on Instagram where I'm at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. Uh, if you are more Twitter inclined, you can find me at Ben Bolin, H-S-W. The big win for people on Twitter is that there you can also find our very own super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Yes, you can find me at ACL underscore Max Williams. That is my address on Twitter. Thanks, as always, to Max Williams. Thanks to our composer. We have a composer, Mr. Alex Williams. Thank you. Thanks again to Mr. David A. Cleveland. Uh, Noel, this this is one of those uh, this is one of those conversations that makes our collective day. I think it's true. It's one that's hard to hard to wrap up, but you got to do it. People got stuff to do. It's Friday. Um, we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.